The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business on News Talk. Brian Burke is here, which means only one thing. It is time for gardening advice. Texts are already coming in. If you want to add to that list, 53106, it costs 30 cent or 087 106. Brian. Yes. I was coming back up last night from Kilkenny. Mm. Beautiful part of the country. And one of the things that I invested in recently, it's amazing. It's a game changer, is an electric jacket. Phenomenal. An electric jacket. It, it, you can, it has a separate battery pack or you can plug it into your motorbike. Okay. It's a little controller and as it gets colder, you can turn it up. So even if it's minus one, you can still be on a motorbike and not freeze to death. Last night, at two o'clock in the morning, mm. one o'clock in the morning, I didn't even have to turn it on. It was 16 degrees in the thermometer on the bike. That's not normal for this time of the it's year. not normal. What's where, it doing to plants? Where are we now? It's heading towards mid-October. I mean, again, it's prolonging the growing season, essentially. I mean, you'll see a lot of late flowering perennials that are hanging in there. A lot of annual plants that are still hanging in there. A lot of harvesting still going on in the fruit and veg realm. So it's just, pro, it's just elongated the, the, the growing season entirely. So our... Our seasons are becoming a little mashed together, you know. So the, the autumn is going into the winter. The winter is going to run up against the spring next February, March. We're kind of getting this kind of amalgamation of the seasons into one pretty much indistinguishable season. And I mean, that is, that's a scientific fact. That's happening. No one would dispute that, you know. Well, that's interesting because there's a load of questions asking about the, the, the winter transition. Like, for instance, what plants for some winter hanging baskets and what veg can I grow for this side of Christmas? Also, what do I do with my lupins? We'll come back to his lupins in a second, or hers. I mean, again, just going back to what we are talking a second ago, under normal circumstances in a normal year, I'd be saying you're probably a little bit late to get veg going for this side of Christmas. But given the elongation of the season and the, the, the temperatures that we're having, I think you're still okay to get some salads, get some mustard seed, get some kale, get radish, get beetroot, get things like that, small turnips, little golf ball-sized turnips. If you get those in the ground now and protect them, I'd say you will have a harvest of those before Christmas. Beyond that, you're probably looking at overwintering. So, I mean, the overwintering, it's the old reliables. It's garlic, it's kale, it's broad bean, it's peas, it's spring cabbage, things like that. And overwintering means plant them now, eat them in spring. Plant them now, eat them in spring, exactly, exactly. The second part of that text, what do I do with my lupins after dying off? Well, you is have, the lupin the long, tall fella that looks and has, yeah. he looks like a, a flowery broccoli stalk? He, pretty much, yeah. The lupin is a staple of the cottage garden, English country garden. It's, it's quite an old-fashioned perennial. Now, it's a short-lived perennial, a lupin. It doesn't live forever. It'll only live for about three to five years, right? So you're going to get a few glorious seasons out of it. So when it's, when it's finished at the end of the year, one of the things that's happening now in garden is we're, 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 we're going away from this instantaneous cutting back of things once they're finished flowering. We're leaving, we're leaving seed heads in place. We're leaving the standing dead foliage because it feeds the insects, it feeds the birds. We're becoming more aware of this type of thing, you know, and the need to do that over the winter. So you have an option, right? Leave it, provide a bit of sustenance for your insects and your flying friends, or you can cut it back, compost the material, and then the lupin will obviously, it being a herbaceous perennial, will regenerate again from rootstock next March, next April. One saying, how can I reproduce hawthorn from a cutting? From a oh, hawthorn from a cutting? Uh, notoriously unreliable from a cutting. Now, anything shrubby, a lot of deciduous and evergreen shrubby, shrubby plants or trees can be reproduced reliably from hardwood cuttings coming into this time of the year. Now, hawthorn is one of the exceptions. It can be done, but the strike rate with cuttings 
from Hawthorne is not great. So if you want 10 plants, start 40 cuttings, that type of thing. The most reliable way to reproduce Hawthorne is from seed. So it produces the haws, as we know. They turn a beautiful, glorious red around this time of the year. Catch them when they're a little bit greener earlier in the season. Harvest them, mash them, extract the seeds, put the seeds into some gritty compost, and you'll have to wait. You'll be waiting about 18 months to two years for them to germinate. Hawthorne whips. We're coming into bare root planting season. Any hedging supplier will give you a hawthorn whip if you buy it in quantity for about a euro. What's a whip? A whip is a bare root, a, 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 a feathered, a featherless um, piece of foliage that you can just put in the ground. It's bare root. It's got no growing medium attached to it. Bare root is what you do planting in large quantity over the winter. No growing medium. The, the plants are dug up straight from the field planted straight into the ground by just a notch in the a spade and the notch of a spade into the ground, stand them into the ground, push them in and they'll grow. Oh, that because sounds dorm- and handy. They're dormant, you see. They're dormant over the winter. It's an easy way to do it. You can get a Hawthorne whip for about a euro. So well, if you're only looking for 50 or 60 of them, you're not going to spend much. You may have solved the next texter's question then because the question asks, any suggestions for a hedge along the boundary of a rural new build? We're talking about 200 metres in total. It needs to be fairly resilient. By that maths, I would have thought you'd get 300 whips and you're away. Well, to, what did he say? To, to, he to, said it's, it's a, a boundary of a rural new build. Okay, We're talking lovely. about 200 metres in total okay. and it needs to be fairly resilient. Well, if it's a rural setting, okay, look at harmonising with the setting. Look around the landscape and look at what's around you. So try and make it work and try and make, make it harmonise with what's there. Try and avoid, you know, non-native planting. So in a setting like that, 200 metres, you're going for... My, my strong advice there would be go for a native blend. Now... Native hedgerow in this country is a unique thing. It's a unique blend of species. So the main constituent would be hawthorn, like we just talked about. So you would also have things like blackthorn. You'd have things like gelderose, dogrose, spindle, viburnum, alder, hazel, holly, the odd birch. All of these things make up the Irish hedgerow. It's a beautiful blend. It's gone back hundreds of years. Beautiful blend of species. And it harmonizes with the rural landscape. Tough as old boots. Will, extend in the, will withstand an exposed site, will be as resilient as you like, I would highly recommend. If you go to a hedging supplier, tell them you want 200 metres of native hedgerow mix and they'll give you a bag of bare root stock that you come back and on a, on a, on a, on a balmy Saturday afternoon you can stick it in the ground. And it'll About, look like it has been there for 100 years it looks, once it's well, established. It, once it's, it's established it will, yeah. Now, you nice. want to plant it fairly dense. If you're planting hawthorn, go about 5 per metre. If you were planting something like uh, beech or laurel or Portuguese laurel or something like that, you'd be going about 3 per metre. Hawthorn, make it a bit more dense, about 5 per metre. Now, what you have proven, which you prove all the time, but with your your um, little outline of all of the plants that are in the native hedgerow, you obviously know everything. So, I, I, there's one that I think I'm going to finally challenge you with. Okay. I have a huge desire to plant the top of a pineapple. If I keep it indoors, will it work? <laughs> I have a pineapple at home and think I'm going to put him in a pot. <laughs> will it work? Uh, very doubtful. Harvest, ah, harvest it, the seeds, start it in a nice gritty compost, keep it indoors and Where see what happens. going to find see, a seed in the pineapple? See what happens. You know, look for it. Dig in there and look for it. You'll find it. I trust Pineapples you. Pineapples don't have seeds. <laughs> <laughs> I was told by YouTube that if I took off the top of it and sat it in a bit of water, that it would grow roots like little wormy legs and then I could stick it in soil. Well, uh, who, am I, who am I to doubt YouTube? It, this sounds don't like the tree fern me. the tree fern thing, when you can plant an actual fern into the, into the actual stem of a tree fern, thereby kind of bringing two plants together and creating one 
Frankenstein hybrid plant. That's it's what they do with oranges, isn't it? Isn't isn't the top of an orange different from the bottom of an orange? <laughs> the, the hybrid <laughs> Don't orange. Don't laugh one. at me on my own show, Brian. I'm correct, haven't I? Yes, you are. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, to distract from your uh, desire to mock me and my lack of understanding about um, gardening and all <laughs> things horticultural, I've brought in Bobby Kerr uh, to act as as that distraction. Bobby, you're, uh, you're looking for a gardener. I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> Little over twenty five minutes. What have you got coming up? Okay, uh, I'll be discussing a very serious business of ransomware with SMEs and talking to an expert who will prevent, who will tell uh, our listeners how to stop them. Serious stuff, really scary. Uh, happens a lot of businesses that you don't hear Just about. Just ask the HSE. Yeah, budget day on Tuesday, expert analysis from Dan O'Brien. Uh, I know you're into personal shopping, Anton. I'm going to have three personal shoppers who will be... Uh, uh, getting me suited and booted and telling me how it all works. You get all the good uh, things. The book Bobby. of beef. I'll be talking to a man who's an amazing business, a dried plasma business called Valico. They've invested 150 million in it. And I was out and about at the Dublin Cookery School. Loads, loads, loads coming up and down to business. How is it that I end up, Brian, not that there's anything wrong with you, but I end up sitting <laughs> in a room with Brian. Bobby ends up going to cookery shows. He gets personal shoppers. <laughs> What about Tremolin the month ago? That's what was wrong point. with that? That wasn't bad. Yeah, that was actually pretty fancy. Bobby Kerr coming up in just over 25 minutes with Down to Business. Um, 53106 if you want to get in touch with the show or you can get us 87 106 We only have literally about 30 seconds left so a, a very quick one. Does your guest have any tips to improve my garden's biodiversity one acre site in rural Carlow Again, very. it's connected to what we talked about a second ago. Rural situation, harmonised with what's there, harmonised with the rural landscape. Native planting, okay, a couple of low-hanging fruit for biodiversity. An aquatic habitat, a pond that's going to bring insects and amphibians, which in turn is going to bring more bird life, which in turn is going to spread more seeds. Native planting, avoid non, non-native hedge species, things like laurel, things like Portuguese laurel. They're invasive, they don't really suit, they don't harmonise with the landscape. Native planting is going to encourage... Native insect life, native amphibians, native bird life, going to create more habitat in the spreading of seeds and therefore bring in more, more mammals, which in turn creates more habitat. It's all about the knock-on effect. It's a self-fulfilling cycle. Wonderful thing to do, and there's easy ways of doing it. Never would have thought of the idea of putting in a pond. Brian, as always, hugely grateful. That is Brian Bur- Burke, who is RTE's Super Garden Judge and Woody's DIY and Garden Expert. The Anton Savage Show. With Nifty Business. Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.